The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good evening, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. The time is 7.11. It is Tuesday, January 20th, and on behalf of the EOT team here at WKNC, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. On Eye on the Triangle tonight, we have a bit of a different format than we've had in the past. Tonight's show will be featuring a live discussion, which our regular listeners know is a rarity here on Eye on the Triangle, so you're in for a treat. The topic of our discussion this evening is reproductive health resources on and around campus, and we have a couple of special guests here in the studio to help us inform our listeners. So right here across from me, we have Yvonne, and uh, she is the promotions director here at WKNC, and beyond that, she's a volunteer, a music enthusiast, of course, and the daughter of an OBGYN. Yes. Hi, Nick. Hi. And of course, we also have Justine, a sophomore double majoring in international relations and women's and gender studies. She's a Caldwell Fellow, currently a Women NC United Nations Fellow, and will be traveling to the UN in March to speak on reproductive health care topics as they relate to the Commission on the Status of Women. She's currently serving as a co-president of PAC for Choice here on campus, and they are dedicated to, as, a, as I understand, mobilizing and informing the student body with respect to current topics relating to reproductive justice and healthcare access. So I thought that we could start real quick right there with NC State's Pack for Choice group. And um, that was, I just read, was the leading goal. But what are some of the things that um, Pack for Choice does on and maybe around campus um, maybe to facilitate this goal? Sure. Well, one of the things you might have noticed us doing last year and last semester was mobilizing in the Brickyard. We do a lot of tabling events, which basically entails standing outside uh, with information, um, with our physical presence as well to answer questions. Uh, we, for example, have the anniversary of Roe v. Wade this week, so we'll be tabling tomorrow and Thursday in the Brickyard for visibility. And at those tables, you'll be disseminating information? What is- yes. Okay. Uh, basically, we offer information, for example, on the Roe tables. We'll be talking about the impact of Roe v. Wade, why it's important, and what type of legislation is currently being pushed through in Congress and in local uh, legislation that would impact the Roe v. Wade decision and how it relates to students' health care today. Sure, and if you don't mind, could you sure. expand on how does that affect students' health care today? Uh, Roe v. Wade uh, is established in 1973. It was a woman's constitutional right to have an abortion under the interest of privacy. Um, and although there is a limit set uh, by Congress and by the legislation for the limit to an abortion, so for example, how long your pregnancy can progress in, until it's no longer acceptable, um, states, because we have states' rights in this country, um, basically pass legislation up until that point to limit and restrict access to abortion. So, for example, in the United States, we have, you know, several states with, like, vastly different reproductive health care access options. So in Texas is one of the most conservative states in the country. You'll see a lot more restrictions, uh, parental, you know, things like um, having to ask your parents for an abortion if you're under 18, uh, 24-hour waiting periods, whereas you might see in different states like California, uh, less of those restrictions. Okay. And where does North Carolina fall on this scale? 
Well, recently um, we just had Tom Tillis uh, elected into our legislature. Um, we also have a conservative governor at the moment who, when elected, promised not to touch abortion rights, but within you know a few years of his term, introduced a few bills that were intended to restrict women's access in this state. In what ways are, is this kind of access restricted? Basically, it was mainly targeting uh, minors. So talking about waiting periods, making sure that parents have, you know, have to provide their consent uh, for women under the age of 18. Um, those measure, measures not passed, but we also had the lovely and affectionately termed motorcycle vagina bill, which was tagged on as a restriction, um, basically on a motorcycle bill. So it was dealing with motorcycle laws and that sort of thing. They tagged on abortion restrictions under this banner. So no one really saw it coming and it was passed in kind of a sneaky backhanded kind of way now i've got a little bit of uh, informational pamphlets from you and i see that the this kind of uh for example this motorcycle um, vagina law as it, you sure. referred to it is something that you refer to as a, a trap a trap a targeted regulation of abortion providers right and um i guess the fact that you have an acronym for that means yes. that it happens um, pretty frequently are it there does. other examples of that here in north carolina sure so targeted uh, regulations might include um trying to update clinics uh creating unnecessary restrictions like for example um a very common law which we saw in north carolina under that motorcycle bill uh was to have hospital admittance privileges which the american board of obstetrics and gynecology has deemed unnecessary for abortion providers as in if something were to go wrong, they have to have admittance privileges at the hospital. But in less than 0.3% of cases, there's ever an issue with abortions. They're an extremely safe procedure. So even though it was deemed completely unnecessary, they're intended to attempt to close clinics down without actually closing them down. Okay. Now, I just want to swing back to um, on campus as we started discussing. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering what, um, if any, other kinds of resources available for women here on this campus, um, if they're seeking information even or, or where they might be referred to? Sure. Um, in the Women's Health Center, we do, uh, there's a variety of services that are available, but in terms of establishing once a pregnancy is established or you think you might be pregnant, um, student health offers like free pregnancy testing. From there, in terms of referrals, since we don't offer obstetrics care or anything of that nature, that's kind of where the confusion comes in because you'll notice like in the women's health lobby, you'll have um, basically like pamphlets and that sort of thing that are to crisis pregnancy centers, but you don't have out and out like Planned Parenthood pamphlets. Receptionist has to, you know, direct you to that sort of um, information and that sort of service, but it's not offered here. Okay, so I noticed that you kind of just answered in that uh, saying that there is a crisis, mm -hmm. preg uh, crisis pregnancy center. Yes. And then there's uh, options like Planned Parenthood. How are they different? Basically, crisis pregnancy centers are non-medical facilities that operate with the single-minded goal of turning women away from abortion. Um, they often advertise themselves as reproductive health care clinics, although there's no doctors on site. And they're often religiously affiliated. Uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood offer an entire spectrum of services, including abortion care. Okay, so to say uh, a health care might be a bit of a misnomer with res with when referring to a, a CPC. Right. Okay. And what kinds of, uh, are those are both of those um, available right here around NC State? 
Uh, there is a Planned Parenthood in the Triangle area, um, in, more immediately in the Raleigh area. It actually does not offer abortion care as part of its service. Uh, there are independent abortion clinics within the Raleigh area, and there is a crisis pregnancy center very close to NC State's campus, and that's the pamphlet that you'll find in Women's Health at NCSU. Gotcha. Now, um, just to bring a little bit of a different perspective in here, we have Yvonne, who, as I understand, volunteered recently with, uh, was it Pack for Choice or was it uh, with a different organization? It was with uh, NARAL Pro-Choice North Carolina. Okay. And uh, they have a, an office here in Raleigh, is that? Yes. Okay. And um, what, I guess, how did you get involved with this? Uh, well, uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, my roommate was uh, one of the organizers at NARAL. Um, but she let me know that there was a, uh, they had their Rock for Row concert this weekend, which is a, uh, concert event that they put on every year, um, that benefits NARAL, um, and they bring in artists a lot of times. Last year, I think it was, uh, John Darniel from the Mountain Goats, but this year it was Lomelands, uh, and MC Taylor and some other local artists, um, that I was very excited about. Uh, and as a uh, women's reproductive rights advocate, uh, I felt like it would be a cool opportunity to help out, uh, especially to see the music and stuff and be involved in that community. So so I heard a little bit about this concert, um, and one of the things I heard was that there were protesters there. And I was wondering, um, what exactly was that like? Um, yeah, so they showed up, uh, I guess, a little bit after doors opened. Um, I guess they'd known about it. We weren't really expecting there to be protesters there, but uh, they were there. They had, you know, the sandwich boards that with pictures on them. Um, but thankfully, these guys were uh, peaceful protesters. Um, they were handing out pamphlets to people, but, you know, they weren't uh, yelling at anyone or anything. Um, the guy i guess the bouncer at the door um who was you know looking at people's ids and stuff um told you know, walked out at one point and was like you know you guys can't stand here this is our property and they you know peacefully you know willingly moved their stuff over to the in front of the next door and um but it was an interesting experience um especially i don't know at a uh i go to a lot of concert events um but having this be sort of different with those guys sure and so as a i suppose an advocate for pro-choice um what are some of the core principles i suppose to you that that lead you into that um this viewpoint and also to be a part of the organization uh well i personally feel that um not having the choice uh to be able to uh, abort a pregnancy. Um, there are just a lot of extenuating circumstances. Um, having a well, a lot. There's you can never you know cover all circumstances, uh, and you know there are some circumstances where uh, it's not a it's not really good to bring a child into the world, and um, so. You know, that is uh, why I feel that pro-choice is important. Sure. And to what extent have you been volunteering with, with NARAL here in Raleigh? Uh, well, this is actually my first time. Gotcha. So, uh, but everyone was super uh, nice to me. Very, um, it was super easy to get involved. Um, 
everyone involved with the organization was really nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, does um, for Justine now I'm asking, is is the this pack for choice? Yes. Um, do they work with NARAL on a lot of events, or how does how's that relationship? Sure. We work with a couple different organizations. NARAL is one of them, but we're not limited to just NARAL since there's a lot of great groups. They're all working toward the same goal. So we've also worked with the Carolina Abortion Fund and with Planned Parenthood. What are some of the things that you guys uh, like other than getting good information out there? Sure. Do you have uh, what types of events maybe? Well, uh, last year, students will probably remember this, we had the Genocide Awareness Project come to campus, which is essentially a group of individuals who travel the country with um, explicit images of what they say are aborted fetuses, and they are able to stand at public universities. These very often uh, appear on the Brickyard, if I remember correctly. Right, yes. So they were at the Brickyard last year, for example. And they come back generally yearly. And uh, last year, we didn't have a lot of warning, so we had to mobilize very quickly. But because we know that they're coming in advance, we're able to kind of get our members together and have a peaceful, appropriate response to their presence on campus. And there's a lot of different reactions that that will provoke around campus. Sure. Um, are you, as part of Pack for Choice, privy to all of these reactions? Like, how, are you understanding of what the general consensus might have been? Generally, from what I've heard, um, based on just standing out there uh, with my group, we'll have passerbys come up to me or other organizers and let me know what they think. And even if they don't identify politically as pro-choice, the general feeling is that no one really wants that kind of imagery on campus. It's triggering for individuals. It's kind of explicit. We have school children uh, walking through and taking tours, and that's certainly not something I think any parent or student will want to subject a child to. So in trying to prepare for a visit like this, um, are you seeking to prevent this visit from taking place or uh, just disseminating information at the same time as they're being on campus? It really depends. Um, obviously, they have a right to be there as they apply for a permit. Um, we are a public university. They can't go on private property. So, for example, this wouldn't happen at Duke University. Um, however, uh, the protesters on their side are instructed to be very calm and courteous as we try and strive to be as well. But last year, for example, commentary was made uh, to us that crosses the line. And if it's intimidation language or anything of that nature it violates title nine so in that case they would not be allowed to come back wow okay so uh, are there do they make these kinds of visits to um, other campuses in north carolina and is there, are there similar efforts being made to i suppose inform students about the the options out there yes um they travel the country pretty extensively but right before they came for example to our campus they were at unc for two days and i actually was able to talk to the coordinator at UNC on their student reproductive group and that was neat because you know we have our rivalry on the basketball court but when it comes to social issues we were pretty united. Sure now I was reading uh, I forget which what the specific statistic was but it said something about the availability of um, facilities uh, in around college campuses across North Carolina Mm -hmm. and I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about to that um, that fact that there are lots of options for women uh, not not just here in the Triangle, in Raleigh, sure. um, but everywhere, really. So in terms of what type of services are offered in, in terms of organizations, so abortion providers versus, for example, we were talking about crisis pregnancy centers, there's 122 crisis pregnancy centers across the state of North Carolina and only 13 abortion providers, two of which are Planned Parenthood affiliated, the rest aren't, and those two are in, for example, Winston-Salem and Wilmington. So we know that there are universities there, but by and large, the majority of our population in North Carolina does not live uh, within close access to a reproductive health clinic. 
Crisis pregnancy centers are pretty widespread, but that's not the same information access. Sure. Um, now, another part that you mentioned in crisis pregnancy mm-hmm. centers, um, and you did talk a little bit about how they're, they tend to be religiously affiliated, um, but that they, they may also um, spread incorrect um, information occasionally. And I was wondering, what, what are they saying that may be um, not necessarily, it could be false or just misleading um, in that, to that extent? Right. Well, the first thing to understand is that by and large, almost exclusively, there are no medical doctors on hand. So what that sort of thing, offering items like ultrasounds, you can have an ultrasound tech, but you're not going to get a 100 percent you know, medical opinion. Um, there have been tactics that have been pretty well documented um, by NARAL and a few others who do field studies on this sort of work, um, documenting that for example, with an ultrasound, they may tell a woman that she's not very far along in her pregnancy when in reality she is coming closer to the deadline in, for example, North Carolina um, to when you can have an abortion. So that's an attempt to run out the clock. Now, what is what is that deadline in North Carolina? What? I'm not actually 100% positive, but I can tell you that Roe v. Wade puts a limit after the 24th week. Gotcha. And now uh, I understand that the actually the anniversary of Roe v. Wade is coming up. Right. Um, Is Pack for Choice on campus doing anything in particular for this? We are. We're tabling in the Brickyard, so we'll be there tomorrow and Thursday. Right. Um, And is there anything going on in Raleigh with maybe NARAL? I I understand they had this this concert. Um, Are you aware of anything else taking place? I haven't been informed of anything else. Um, I know that there'll be a presence at HK on J. There always is in the reproductive rights sector, so although that's not the anniversary, that's... HK is historic... Right, on Jones, yes. So, giant moral Monday march, basically. Gotcha. For our listeners, we would like you uh, to thank you for listening. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. 88.1, The Revolution. The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Welcome back. We thank you for listening. Um, tonight we have a discussion about reproductive health resources here on campus and around Raleigh and uh, around the Triangle and even around North Carolina. Um, I'd like to turn back to Justine for a moment. Um, I had asked you before the break a little bit about some of the events happening here in the Triangle um, for the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which is this Thursday. Um, and what if I, I understand you got a little bit more information? Um, what might some of those those events be? Uh, there is going to be a book signing with Dr. Grimes, who is a world expert on abortions, and it's going to be at Flyleaf Bookstore. And the book is called Every Third Woman, which refers to the fact that one in three American women will have an abortion in their lifetime. Okay. Wow. Now, um, as I, uh, one of the things that I've heard is that abortion clinics um, don't necessarily have to tell women about all of their options and, and maybe um, portrayed that uh, this is their only option. Um, why is is that the case, and what? how is that different from what a CPC might do? Sure. Well, there's definitely a misunderstanding about how abortion clinics operate in terms of people tend to feel like abortion clinics are selling one product, and that product is abortion. But in reality, uh, most women understand and have made their choice by the time they enter an abortion clinic. So when you look at numbers of how many, for example, adoption referrals are done by Planned Parenthood versus abortion uh, procedures, the numbers are a bit skewed. That being said, Planned Parenthood is actually held to a standard as a national organization of what they need to tell women and what options are offered, whereas crisis pregnancy centers operate solely for the purpose of 
preventing women from having an abortion, you know, dissuading them. In addition, they don't have those national standards and each one operates on its own terms and they don't have to be honest about what's off, like what's out there. Wow. Um, and so I've also heard something about the allocation of funds, um, both statewide and nationally or federally, uh, to either plan- Planned Parenthood or CPCs. Um, can you explain a little bit about how that affects both both of the and both of those organizations. Sure. A few years ago, there was a massive backlash against federal funds and state funds being used for things like abortion clinics or for clinics who do perform abortions. And a lot of funding was significantly scaled back in the wake of protests and a Republican Congress. Um, but with crisis pregnancy centers, uh, they are allowed to have state funds. And you know, basically, what we're doing is is funding non medical clinics that are allowed to mislead women and so you said mislead and we did hit on that before but um sure. i understand there are some specific statements that are made uh at a cpc that are uh patently false um are those something that you're willing to speak to right i think i mentioned before a little bit about um the ultrasound technique and that sort of thing of delaying and telling a woman that she's earlier along than she is so that she doesn't or she thinks she has a lot of time to make her decision and she may run out the clock on uh, when she's allowed to do that. But at the same time, um, and this was something that was on a slogan sign at the Genocide Awareness Project that came to state last year, um, that abortion causes breast cancer to which there's no known you know, there's no known link between that. So they'll say abortion will make you infertile. You won't be able to get pregnant in the future. You won't be able to have children. All of those are not confirmed by the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Well, now um, I'd like to bring Yvonne back into the conversation. Now, if you would, um, you've heard a lot of this information that we've just been discussing about um, these mis- misinformation. Um, there's a little bit of uh, false uh, not false uh, promises, maybe, but uh, different types of things being said. And what as someone who has come recently into this kind of ac- action and volunteering, um, how does this, what kind of thing do you want to, um, how would you like to contribute to preventing that kind of thing being spread? Gosh, um, well, honestly, I think that education it, in a lot of ways, um, and especially here, is important. Um, and it sounds like there's a lot of misinformation being spread. Um and so I think uh, it's important for, you know, people that are willing to to be out there and have the information available for those who need it. Sure. Um, I don't know. And potentially uh, something that uh, I've, you know, tossed around talk in discussions with friends and stuff is, uh, you know, why aren't we hearing this in our public school health classes? Uh, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. I'd be interested in seeing something like that happen. Sure. Now, you just mentioned the public school health classes. Um, Justine, you know, are you aware of any of the kind of information that is by law allowed to or required to be spoken in those kinds of classes? By and large, we are an abstinence-only state education system. Um, I know experience from what I was able to get in my public health class and also what my sister in middle school just experienced. Um, essentially, what's stressed is that abstinence-only is the only way to ensure that you won't get pregnant, which of course is true. Um, but in doing so, they don't have, a, you know, a, they don't have a mandate to tell you about other birth control options and like what, you know, safe sex practices and, and choices you may want to make in your own life. So in terms of spreading that kind of information uh, here on NC State's campus, uh, how big maybe or how many people are involved with NC State's chapter of PAC for Choice? 
Uh, we have about a total of about 100 members. Wow. In terms of regular meetings, we don't usually see those sorts of numbers uh, every few weeks. But with the events that we do, like counter-protesting peacefully, the Genocide Awareness Project, lots of people like to do visible work and visible protests. So that's when you'll really see our numbers come out. Nice. And what is your particular involvement with that, I understand, is the co-president? Yes, I am a co-president. Lauren Frey couldn't be here tonight, but she and I work together to uh, facilitate uh, the organization, take care of funds, organize meetings and events. But we definitely couldn't do it without partner organizations and who like, who's able to help us. One of those partner organizations you mentioned was the Carolina Pregnancy Center. Is that true or... No, oh. it's the Carolina Abortion Fund. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> um, what are some of the things that they do here? Uh, do, are they, do they have a presence in Raleigh, and where might that be, and what, what can students maybe get out of that? Sure. The Carolina Abortion Fund is primarily found, uh, located in Durham, but it serves the whole Triangle area and, of course, the rest of North Carolina. Um, essentially, what the Carolina Abortion Fund does is it helps women who couldn't afford abortions but would like to make that their reproductive choice um, be able to do so through donations, um, you know, volunteer work, that sort of thing. Now, one of the hot topics that is being addressed a lot is state funds, federal mm-hmm. funds. Are they a recipient of some of those those funds as well? No, they are completely independent. So this is all donor-driven. So any individual in the state who identifies as pro-choice and wants to help someone in need out is able to donate money that way. Are you aware of um, their need? Are they able to help a lot of the women that they seek? They are able to help most, but definitely not all. And they get a lot more calls than one might think. Um, you know, a lot of women in the state are below the poverty line or even just above it in college, that sort of thing. They help college students out, for example, if they don't have the resources or funds to pay for an abortion. So you mentioned um, not just college students, but women in all walks of life and at all ages across the state. Um, And I think one of the statistics that I heard um, in speaking with some of your your coworkers uh, was that most women who seek abortions are have already had one child. Right. Um, and that just, to me, that's very striking to think that it's not necessarily just the college population that is in, in need of this kind of, um, this kind of uh, service or, or information, maybe. Um, and I was wondering, what, in that respect, do you know a little bit more about the non-college-aged people or uh, women that may be seeking this, maybe where they come from, or... Maybe some of the circumstances that they may may be facing, because to me that's just that's a very large, uh, more apparently more than half of the women seeking this are of that type. Right, and as I I think has been mentioned, but always good to reiterate is that one in three American women will have an abortion in their lifetime. Um, That's that's a huge number, and the likelihood in your lifetime that you'll know a woman who has is very very great. Um, So it definitely impacts all of us, even if we don't know it right off the bat. That's not obviously something people tend to share. Uh, with friends and family, but because it's so many women, you can know and understand that they're from all walks of life. A lot of women who have a child already know what it's like to give birth, know what it's like to continue a pregnancy, and what kind of costs and emotional tolls are associated with that. So in having a second pregnancy or a third and deciding that they do not want to carry to term, that's extremely personal, but obviously comes from a place of experience. Sure. Now, as a leader, um, one of the leaders for Pack for Choice, uh, are you often a resource for um, maybe your friends, maybe friends of friends or anyone on campus or maybe not even on campus who's looking for information uh, because apparently it may be difficult to find? Right. I have definitely been approached uh, by friends who 
thought, you know, I've known you my whole life. I didn't realize you knew so much about this topic and realized that they themselves maybe didn't know so much. Um, but I definitely try to operate as a resource, my co-president and I. So in putting our names out there in Pack for Choice and Visibility, we're always open to take commentary. And we also, since we know folks, um, you know, with Planned Parenthood, Carolina Abortion Fund, that sort of thing, we can point them to the right resource. Gotcha. Um, I do just want to update listeners that we do have a correction that um, pregnancy tests are not currently free um, at the Student Health Care Center on campus, um, but that they do offer redirection or referrals to um, either CPCs or abortion clinics. I suppose it depends on who you speak to. Do you have any experience in dealing with that kind of referrals? From what I understand, um, so you can purchase a pregnancy test at Student Health. I'm Ten dollars, perhaps. I know it's on that. Uh, you can do that kind of short prescription form, the same way you would get your three free condoms that are offered. Um, but once the pregnancy is determined to be established, it really depends on who you speak to um, in the resources. And for example, Women's Health Center, you'll find pamphlets for Gateway, which is a crisis pregnancy center located very close to state's campus. You won't find pamphlets for Planned Parenthood, um, but the assumption is there that you'll be able to be referred to at least an OBGYN who can help you make a different decision. Sure. Now, um, Yvonne, as the daughter of an OBGYN, how does how might that affect your perspective um, in, in knowing that this is something that your mother might have to deal with? Well, um, oh, gosh, I don't know. It's uh, It's not something that she really talks about very much um, because, you know, for her, um, she, well, I don't know if she's listening right now, but uh, I, she, uh, it's a very sad thing for her as it is for, you know, the mothers. No one wants to have an abortion. No one gets pregnant with the intent of aborting their child. Um, so, you know, for her, it's a very sad topic to talk about. Um but, you know, it's also difficult for her within the profession um, because with her co-workers, there's a lot of different feelings about that kind of thing, um, which kind of reflecting on it now is kind of an interesting thing to talk about, like your healthcare provider not necessarily uh, maybe being biased in a certain way, um, but, you know... I think that uh, I've definitely, you know, growing up with he- hearing about you know, babies and <laughs> all that kind of thing um, at the dinner table, it's uh, definitely something that I've thought a lot about. Um, and I-, I feel very, like, settled in my opinion about it um, because I, f- I feel like, you know, regardless of whether a person would themselves choose to have an abortion, um, I feel like the option should be out there for others um, because, again, you can't cover all circumstances. And Yeah. <laughs> sure. Now, with, it sounds like, as you said, you're, you're rather settled in, in your, uh, your view, I suppose, but does that come up in uh, discussions with your friends who may or may not know that your mother is, is an OBGYN? Not too often, I wouldn't say, um, but I've definitely, you know, had people um, come up to me and approach me asking about, uh, you know, contraceptive things, um, 
and other, you know, information that's not very like available. So you found yourself as a resource. <laughs> I guess in a way, um, I, you know, I usually point them to my mom because she's a very open person, sure. um, especially about that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I'll give them her number, um, <laughs> and you know, a lot of. At least the people that I have met that she works with are, you know, the same way. They're willing to reach out to people and give them information if they need it. Wow. And is that, do you work with OBGYNs in, in, as part of your organization? Or do you know if maybe NARAL does um, just to try and promote the, the, spe- the spreading of the kind of information that you're hoping? Sure. There are a lot of OBGYNs who choose to work with pro-choice organizations to provide, you know, a medical opinion and that sort of thing uh, regarding the topic of abortion. I don't know any personally through NARAL and through Planned Parenthood, but I I do know OBGYNs, but uh, not necessarily those who work in the triangle. Gotcha. And that's... That's very interesting. You said that they're, they're members of these types of organizations. Yes, they... there's an OBGYN, for example, on the board of NARAL. So offering that sort of opinion and giving that sort of medical advice is very useful. Wow. And, well, I mean, that does sound like they would have very, a lot of expertise. Have you, are you in particular, um, did they, have you had her come speak in, in some sort of event for Pack for Choice? Is that an option or something like that? Maybe? We haven't gotten to have Pack for Choice utilize NARAL this year as a resource like that. It's definitely something we want to do. Uh, for example, right now, the upcoming event is with Carolina Abortion Fund, but it's definitely something we'd like to have because you can't beat medical experience, especially in women's health care. And quite frankly, with so much talk coming from individuals who aren't in women's health care and didn't go to medical school, it's refreshing to have someone on board who, who has. Sure. And you mentioned that you've in the past maybe been involved with NARAL and uh, events on campus. Um, how long has Pack for Choice been around and what are some of the other types of events that you've held? We're a relatively new organization, only about two years. Um, it was actually started by a friend of mine, Yvonne's roommate, uh, brought it to campus and was able to start a chapter. Um, it originally began as a NARAL chapter, but we've since expanded into other reproductive health organization partners. Um, but basically our, our events have been centered on tabling and that sort of thing, uh, making a visible presence when needed, taking students to the HK on J March and, you know, giant moral Monday, visible protests. Um, but while we're happy to be a resource, it is almost sad that we have to be, you know, women on campus should be able to access, uh, healthcare and healthcare information from student health in an unbiased way. Gotcha. Thank you. And uh, we would like to take another break. We thank our listeners again for listening, and we will be right back. The Revolution. The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. And we thank you for listening. We are welcome back. Tonight on EOT, we had a discussion about the reproductive health resources on and around NC State's campus, the Triangle, Raleigh, and even North Carolina. And uh, as a nice way to wrap up, I was hoping I could ask you just a little bit about how a student here on NC State might get involved with Pack for Choice or what else they can do to, if they are an advocate for the pro-choice movement. Sure. So if you're a student on NC State's campus, we definitely encourage you to look on our Facebook page. We are NC State. Currently, I think the Facebook page still says uh, NARAL, but we're working on changing it. It's difficult to change page names. Um, <laughs> but Come to our meetings. Come to the HK and J March with, with us. We will be tabling in the Brickyard tomorrow from 11.30 to 2.30 p.m. and also on Thursday as well. So you're welcome to come up and say hi. And if you're not a student on NC State's campus, same thing. Come to the March. Volunteer with local organizations like Planned Parenthood, A Woman's Choice of Raleigh, 
uh, Carolina Abortion Fund can be done as a monetary donation or with your time. Well, thank you very much for, for speaking with us. Is there anything else that I did not ask either of you that you'd like to bring up? I think we pretty much covered it. Great. Well, thank you very much. And I especially thank you, uh, Justine, and very much thanks to Yvonne. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. And as always, this is a very polarizing topic. So if you heard anything that you like, you hated, or anything that made you think, you can let us know on our Facebook page or on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT, where you can also catch up on a bit more local news. Also, be sure to check out our blog at blog.wknc.org, where you can also download our podcast. After Hours is up next today, and you can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here on WKNC. We'd like to thank contributors Justine and Yvonne. <laughs> For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Savage. Good night. Good night.